Amen. You may be seated. We know that we have victory in this life. Whether we feel victorious or not, if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus and you have the Holy Spirit living in you, you know already victory has already been won because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. We also know that the Lord continues to fight our battles for us. And He's fighting all the battles, all the things are taking place in our world today, all the things taking place with you personally. You can know that Christ is already at work. Take your Bibles if you would and find Exodus chapter 33. We'll be reading verses 18 and following. Exodus chapter 33 and verse 18. Thank you for coming and being part of our uh, Labor Day weekend. This is also the first Sunday of our new year. And uh, church year starts in September. Feels kind of like fall out there. We still a couple of weeks before it's officially fall. And it could get hotter before it gets cooler. But we're glad that you're here today and we welcome you. Some of you are first time guests here and we're glad that you're here today. And we appreciate you being here. We'd love to know more about you. There's a connection card you can fill out. And also, uh, some of you are back for the first time in many months, and so we, we welcome you. Every service we have folks that are back for the first time, and uh, so it's kind of like family reunion every time we come together. So we're glad that you're here. This is also kicking off for us, mentioning something that was pre-pandemic. We'll always forever now talk about pre-post and mid-pandemic perhaps, but uh, we were uh, kicking off a faith campaign at our church this spring. We put that off. We did do 40 days of prayer. We're kicking off 40 days of prayer again today. As a matter of fact, we have some hard copies for that. If you'd like to be a part of have one of our prayer guides, you can find them in kiosk or shelves before you leave today. Also, they will be emailed to you. If we've got your email, you should get one today. And there'll be uh, there's usually a verse on there and something to pray for. The verse today was John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And our prayer today is to thank God for his goodness and his provision. And we've done that today. Thank you so much already from our uh, Aaron and our praise band. Appreciate you leading us in worship today. What a wonderful, great job they've done to bring us to the table for worship. How important it is, particularly for the passage we're reading today. We are in Exodus chapter 33 and verse 18. We're continuing our series uh, called The Escape Zone. And uh, as we're looking at the life of Moses, I think it's been particularly uh, relevant today as we've talked about some of the things that are happening in our world today. And hopefully we'll continue to make not only application worldwide, but make personal application today as we read God's Word. This now is the Word of God. Exodus 33 verse 18 says this, Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I'll be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, you cannot see my face for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, behold, there's a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and I'll cover you with my hand until I pass by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. May the Lord bless the reading of His holy word today. There's a lot of stories about Moses, Exodus, and in Numbers. We're going to talk about some in Numbers before it's over, but a lot of great stories. There was, of course, Moses as a baby that was taken out of the Nile. Uh, there was Moses on the mountain in the burning bush. Of course, there are ten plagues that... Uh, there's the Passover as they left Egypt. There's crossing over the Red Sea. Manna comes in the morning, quail in the evening. We know that more than once the uh, Lord saved them from uh, thirst and uh, uh, water was provided through the rock. 
All of those are wonderful, great stories. Still more to come, which is one reason this series is taking a little bit because there's a lot to talk about in the life of Moses. And who knows, we may not pass this way again soon. So just in case we want to get all the good. But I want to tell you, I tell you that because my favorite passage, perhaps of all the stories of Moses, may be this one here today. As Moses was in the cleft of the rock. And so I want to spend the next few moments, maybe next few minutes, telling you why this is my favorite passage. But before I do, let me ask you, what does God look like? Uh, well, the Bible talks about his face and his hands and uh, feet. And in this particular passage, we, even, we read here where it talks about Moses seeing something where he may have even seen the back of God. Now, we think of God as pretty big for heaven is his throne and the earth is his footstool. Isaiah saw a glimpse of God. The robe of God filled the temple. There was John when he penned the words of Revelation described the face of the Son of God like the sun shining in all its brilliance. Yet we understand these are ways in which we describe God sometimes and they're described in the Bible. And we call personification where we personify God because these are just ways that we are able maybe to comprehend God at this time in our in our minds where we cannot comprehend all the things of God, but we realize the triune God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He is not something that we can be described exactly in human terms. We know that He is of a spiritual realm beyond what we can fully comprehend at this time, but He can be known, and we can know Him. Have you ever thought you'd like to see God? I mean, or like to get a glimpse of God, see Him in all His glory. Most of us are at least curious. That'd be something to see. Well, Moses wanted to see God. And here was Moses. He was pretty close to God. He was in a position and maybe at least a friendship that at least he was able to ask God. What did Moses see? Well, we don't know exactly what we saw. We know about the goodness of God, as it is described here, passed before Moses. And we know that the Lord removed his hand, so the Bible says that he saw, physically saw, we believe, the back of God. What if I told you? Today, it's possible to get a glimpse of the glory of God. Let you and I take a close look at this passage and see if that's possible today, even in this place. Over 3,000 years ago, there was Moses standing on the mountain. There he was somewhere between Egypt and Palestine. He was ready to take God's people into what would be the promised land, the land that was promised to Abraham, Isaac, and to Jacob. There would be battles to be fought along the way, battles not only along the way, but once they got into the land of Canaan, to which... God had promised them, and they, Moses stands on the mountain. It's a troubling time because the Israelites had just built that golden calf and decided they wanted to worship the golden calf instead. And Moses pleads in verse 18, we, we just read the same thing that we should be pleading today. Please, Lord, show me your glory. Now this morning, may we discover what it means to experience the glory of God and if it's possible to see God's glory even today as born-again believers. So a couple of objectives that we have today as we move forward and work through this passage and keep your Bibles open, maybe some verses around the passage as well. One of those is that we want to discover how we can be shown and pursue the glory of God every day in our lives. But also, I want, I want this to become one of your favorite passages. But if not, at least grow maybe a desire about all the stories of 
that are in the Bible, all of God's Word, and be able to have that desire to be able to know Him more and at a deeper level. First, if you are to experience the glory of God, maybe you have some notes there that you want to keep up with. You are to seek God's presence. You're to seek God's presence. Think with me for just a moment why you're here today. I mean, are you here today because it's a habit? It's a good habit to have. Now, some of us got out of the habit there for a long time, I guess, and some of you are habit now of getting up in the morning, fixing your breakfast, and, and watching live stream, and nothing wrong with that. We appreciate those good habits. Maybe you're joining us in worship, or you're here today out of duty, and that's okay. I mean, we, have, we feel sometimes out of duty. And maybe, if it's wrong to say that, maybe you want to stick it to the man. I mean, and I guess what I mean by that is... Uh, you know, there are some states today that uh, you can't, you're not supposed to be having worship. And they're having worship anyway. There's lawsuits or you can't have over 50 people in worship. And so maybe you'd be here today. There's some of you that might say, I, even if it's against the law, I'm going to come to worship. Now, there's very few of you. I've come to find out that are actually that way. I understand. But maybe that's the, or maybe you're here today truly because you want to worship and you want to know God more fully. Moses asked earlier in this chapter, who will go with me? What he actually is asking, who's going, is God going to go with them as they go into the promised land? Because Moses has come and had prayed on behalf of the people because of the golden calf, but most of them had been unrepentant. Only the tribe of Levi came to the side of Moses when he asked, who's on God's side, come to me. So most have been unrepentant. So the, a plague had gone throughout the camp of Egypt. The tent of meeting moved from the center to outside the camp. Tent of meeting was the place where God dwelt before the tabernacle was built, which is before the temple was built, and it was moved outside the camp. The only ones that seemed to go in there was Moses and Joshua and to meet with God in the tent of meeting. And then also it was said that an angel of the Lord would lead the people to the promised land. Well, maybe that's good enough for most people to say, well, if an angel's going to lead, that's good enough, but not for Moses because Moses wanted God to lead. Notice what Moses asked in chapter 33 and verse 12. We read verse 18. Some of these will be on the screen. Moses said to the Lord, See you say to me, Bring up this people, but you've not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you've said, I know you by name. You've also found favor in my sight. Listen to what God told Moses in Exodus 33 and verse 14. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Listen to Moses' response verse 15. And he said to him, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. Moses saw no reason to go any further if God was not going to go, if God was not going to lead and God going to guide them along the way. Well, it should be the same for believers today. Why is there any reason to go? We want to be sure that everywhere we go, that no matter what happens, God is, Lord is leading us. He's walking with us. He's guiding us along the way. And that should be our we should have the same attitude that Moses has there. There's something else happening in this passage that I want you to see. Because when God told Moses, I will go with you and I will give you rest, the you in the original language is singular. So what Moses heard God say is, Moses, I will go with you only. Moses, I will give you rest and nobody else. Again, that might have been satisfied for most, but not for Moses. Moses, notice in verse 16, he says, For how shall it be known, Moses is talking to God, 
almost gives a debate or plea and argument for how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people. Is it not in your going with us so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? Believers in the Lord Jesus. What is it that makes us distinct or different from every other people on the face of the earth if it's not the presence of God? It is, it is not that God is with us and going with us. In New Testament terms, it is that Christ is in me. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ, yet now I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. It's the Holy Spirit living in us. Now, we believe, follow me here, we believe that God is omnipresent. He is everywhere. Psalmist tells us that from the heights of heaven to the depths of Sheol that God is present, that He is there. And then Jesus said at the end of the Great Commission, He told His disciples, as He's telling us, He said, I will be with you always. Behold, I'll be with you always. So here's the question. If God is everywhere and He promises He's always going to be with us, why do we need to seek God's presence? Why do we need to ask for God's presence? Well, we are people who have free will, even though we're followers of Jesus, and we realize that God is always present. But we may not always be able to observe or notice it unless we are looking for it. So I'm going to use here what I'm going to call a term. You're, you're to seek or you're to pray for what I'll call God's observable presence. Well, nothing happens in this world without God noticing, and He's particularly with every believer, and because you have free will... You must seek to observe and apply His presence in your life. To seek God's presence is to seek to experience in Him, have Him go before you and beside you and guide you. It's by faith that you know that God's always with you, whether you feel His presence or not. And you are to seek God's presence and we're to look for His observable presence. It's to have your eyes opened to how God is at work around you. If you do not, through prayer through your heart. Seek the presence of God. It's likely God's going to be at work in and around you, and you'll miss it. You'll miss what God's doing. You'll, you'll miss what God's doing right now in this world. There's a big difference between those who believe that everything just happens by coincidence or chance or things just happen. Now, we do live in a fallen world, but there's a big difference between that and those who know that regardless of what happens, God is at work, that God has a plan, and God has a purpose for all things. For whatever happens, God able, is able to use it for His purpose. And those who believe that God has a plan and a purpose seek the presence of the living God. If you want to experience the glory of God today, it begins by asking for His presence. Make God's presence be applied and observed today with God's people. And you, you've aided the seeking today by being a part of worship online or here today. You, you've aided that through the singing of the hymns, you, through the singing of the songs that we've sung today, or you've aided that through prayer and the reading of Scripture. I want to encourage you to be intentional and find innovative ways to observe the presence of God. I mean, maybe go beyond the ordinary, okay? Maybe read a psalm or a proverb or a a scripture that talks about the attributes of God and pray that back to God. Maybe it is that what you'd like to do or could do, sing or listen to Christian music. And I don't mean not just for that good 
all over feeling, but listen to that Christian music and listen to what it says about God. Is the Lord really fighting our battles? Has He really given us victory? We've sang about it today. Well, that's a way in which we seek and find the presence of God. How about in the everyday, ordinary parts of your day or nature even? What does it tell you about God? They tell you God cares. He wants to be involved in your life. Celebrate answers to prayer. Once you've prayed and God answered, it's then celebrate that. Celebrate miracles, big and small. To experience the glory of God, begin with seeking God's presence. But second, to experience the glory of God, you're to know God personally. Moses knew God personally. Exodus chapter 3 and verse 11 says that God talked to Moses face to face uh, as a man speaks to his friend. Verse 17, it tells us, And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you've asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. If you're seeking the presence of God, the next step is to know God on a personal level, more personal level. Think about many things that could be said about Moses. What do you think of when you see Moses? He's got the long beard, he's got the staff, maybe he's holding the stone tablets. He's the lawgiver or the one who gets the law. He's the one who crossed the Red Sea. But probably the greatest thing that could be said about Moses was said in these, in these verses. The fact that he was a friend of God. God told Moses his first name. I am the great I am. Yahweh, Jehovah God. So Moses knew God's name, but not only that, God knew Moses and knew him in an intimate, had a relation, intimate relationship, maybe like none other in the Old Testament or none other at that time. It was unique for many reasons, but primarily because this is before the cross of Christ. <clears throat> Say what you will about the conditions of this world and all that's happening, us living in this time in this world, but you and I, we have been revealed more about God and His glory than Moses had in Exodus chapter 33 because we have been revealed that by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who, Bible tells us, who was God's representative, who Bible tells us, who is God in the flesh. And if what we believe and what the New Testament tells us, then we understand that God, <clears throat> that we, those who have, or Jesus said, those who have seen me have seen the Father. They were able to know more than Moses did about God. Here's the good news. We're not able to just know about God, but we can know Him in an intimate, personal way. Let's talk about how personal your relationship is with God and my relationship. How often do you speak to God? I've got friends, good friends, that I may not talk to sometimes in weeks and months, and maybe not years, but weeks and months that I consider very best friends, but whenever I see them, it's just like we pick up right where we left off without skipping a beat. That's not the kind of friend that ship or the relationship we need to have with God. In fact, this week, I accidentally called somebody on my cell phone, one of these friends, and uh, he called me right back a few minutes later. Um, what do we call that? We call it pocket dial in church. So I pocket dialed, and uh, and he called back, and before I could even tell him that I called him by accident, we were into an hour-long conversation about what's happening, catching up, and all this, you know, all these kind of things. And even when I hung up, I felt a little bad because I didn't tell him that I actually called him by accident. But if he felt good that I called him, maybe that was okay. But didn't mean to mislead him there. But those, that's not the kind of relationship. Uh, 
God's looking for more than once every few weeks or months or years, but the or to be just good friends. He desires to be your intimate best friend. It's not a question if he knows you, but do you know him personally? He wants a daily contact, if not hourly or moment by moment. When you speak, how do you talk to him? I mean, you talk casual or formally. Is it the same prayer that you give every day, like before a meal or maybe before you go to bed? It's like no big deal. Do you ever address God by calling him the big man or the, or the man upstairs? I got to tell you, I don't know anybody who knows Jesus and the Lord in a personal way who would address God in this particular way. I, th I think there's a balance of not too casual, not too formal, but with holy fear and respect. This passage represents the personableness of God with those who know him through Jesus and the grandeur of his indescribable glory. And the closer we are to God, the more godly fear and respect that we have for him. I had this quote that I heard a few years ago uh, that I repeat from time to time from Margaret Thatcher. She was prime minister one time of England, and she said, uh, she said, being a leader, being a leader is like being a lady. If you have to tell somebody you are, you're probably not. Well, I share that with you because today, if you've come to this place, you think, I'm close enough to God right now. If you're thinking that, you probably aren't. Moses was so close to God, yet he's pleading for God to show him in glory. Third, if you're experiencing the glory of God, you're to search for God passionately. Passionately. Though Moses knew God personally, he wanted to know him even more. Please, God, show me your glory. Show me more of your goodness and your grace and your compassion. If there was anybody here that was looking at the King James Version, it'd be the word, I beseech thee, Lord, to show me your glory. In other words, in other words, he in earnest plea to be able to search out and know more of God is in his request. Somewhere along the line, many church folk lose that desire to know God better and to seek his face like never before. Even among those who have some desire, we find ourselves Content maybe with being spoon-fed a little bit with what we're going to get here on Sunday, maybe our own live stream or maybe through a devotional book. Nothing wrong with these. These are good and these are necessary. But those who are wanting more of God, want to know more of the glory of God, they'll find themselves wanting to spend more time alone with God and seeking Him with passion. We have a passion to seek God. We'll have a passion for the things of God and for His kingdom's works. Our thoughts and desires will fall by the wayside, and we cannot help but focus on the things of God. Now, this series of sermons we've called the Escape Zone. We've had two or three different sections of these, and this day forward, we're having the section, kind of with, though we really started, I guess, last week, was uh, faith over fear. We want to be sure that the things and decisions that we make, whatever they are, that we're overwhelmed by faith and not by fear which means sometimes we may have a little bit of fear, sometimes may have be a little anxious, sometimes might have worry, but we know that faith will win out when we have our faith in the Lord Jesus. Oh, we're, we're holding our breath in hopes that we'll have SEC football this year. But I, and we've talked about it before, but one thing that I thought that I would miss by if, if there was no football, it, just telling you, it would be 
ESPN College Game Day on Saturday morning. That's a three or four hour show. Never see the whole thing, but part of can I get a witness? Anybody? You know, part of the. And I thought, oh, well, I thought, well, I'm, we won't have it in August, or we won't have it in September. We'll have it, you know, maybe the end of September. But lo and behold, turn on ESPN yesterday, and well, guess what's on? ESPN Game Day football is on. I mean, they played six games yesterday, but mostly they did inter. They, you know, was previews. Then they were doing interviews with coaches, you know, and why aren't you starting? Why are you starting? You know, those kind of things. And it was pretty much across the board. There's not a right or wrong answer here. You know, it uh, depends on the program or the division, you know, these kinds of things. And, and, and I understand, we understand that. And we've said that. We said there's not a right or wrong answer. You do what you feel is best. I'm going to make a statement here, and I want you to follow me because I want you to be able to understand where I'm going. Help me with this if you need to. When it comes to believers in the Lord Jesus, it's different. Now, there may not be a right or wrong answer. What's right for you may not be right in this particular case and different things. But your motivation needs to be that you want to please the Lord Jesus first. For example, coming to church. Well, it's time for a lot more people to come back to church. And... Uh, and as you come back, maybe there's some, of course, maybe not ready to come back, and maybe you shouldn't because you're of age or vulnerable or uh, convictions, uh, protection, those kinds of things. Well, we understand and we know. And, but your decision, and we've said ourselves, there's not a right or wrong answer there. Watch online, we want you to pray for us, need to be part of worship whether it's home or here. But it does make a difference in your reason for doing so. Because all you need to ask is, Lord, what, would it, what is the thing that I could do that would be most pleasing to you? Now, that's not always easy to know. We've got to pray about that. Not just what is more convenient for me or how is it that I feel, but be sure that faith is winning out and over fear. Passion for God will also do this. It will spill over into a concern for others to know the God you know and have a passion for Him as well. We can't help but be concerned for helping others to know Him. Moses wasn't satisfied with God saying, I know that you're going to go with me. He wasn't satisfied with that because he'd experienced God. He knew the love of God. He was doing what he should do, and that is pleading for God's people, and God knew that he would. Well, we need to plead for God's people. We need to be sure the decisions we make and the things that we do, how are they going to affect others? Oh. I'm convicted as I read this passage and I think about this. I'm convicted. Oh, am I motivated by what's pleasing for others? But let me, let me give you this example. Not so much that you can see it today, but at least twice, maybe three times in the second service, we feel like we've been at capacity for social distancing. I mean, we, we've moved in even a couple of chairs and put them way out there in the back. I mean, and so uh, uh, as we move forward... Today, you can't tell it's Labor Day weekend. But as we move forward, and probably even before the end of the month, we're going to need to make some other decisions. We have four overflow rooms, which have been used sparingly, mostly by parents with kids that maybe have gotten them out and they've been able to watch service and be able to sit with their kids, and that's fine. But if we're going to move forward and going to continue to welcome people, particularly into our second service, we'll have to be ready for those overflow rooms. Now, I've had many people say this to me, so if you think I'm quoting you, I'm not. I'm quoting somebody else, okay? And that's this. Well, if I'm going to sit in an overflow room, I might as well just sit at home. Here's what we're going to need from you. We're going to need from our church. We're going to need some of you to say, I'll host an overflow room. 
I'll sit in an overflow room so I can leave room for others. Because if we have guests in first time, we always have first time guests, first time coming back. And if they come in right at time we don't have room, there's an overflow room nobody's in. We need somebody in there. We've got large rooms and smaller rooms, but we you know, still social distance, and they'll be if we've got it on the screen. So I guess the, this is just an example of, are you just thinking about yourself, or can we do this in such a way to think about others? Or a third service at a non-traditional time, Saturday night, Sunday afternoon, sometime such as that. And you go to the other service. Um, there was an uh, American, I heard him tell the story of going to the largest evangelical church in the world. At that time, it was in Seoul, Korea. Now, he's in, of course, he had a Korean interpreter, then he'd have to ask, you know, what's going on, what's happening. As they were leaving the service, they had services all day, all weekend. As they were leaving the service, somebody speak, talking over the loudspeaker, and he asked his interpreter, said, what, is, what are they saying over the loudspeaker? He said, they're saying two things. He said, one, be sure to be courteous, because people are coming in and allow room for people to come in, and be sure to make your way out fairly quickly to leave room for those that are coming in. And the second thing was, be sure to remember to stay home next week so that there'll be room for others in all of the services. Now, I'm not asking you to stay home next week, but I am asking you there may be time in the near future, and I believe in the next month or so, that we'll need you to host or you'll need you in another room so that when people come in, they'll feel comfortable coming in, not just sitting by themselves, or come to a service that maybe is at a non-traditional time. The servant of God should be more concerned with discovering and revealing the glory of God, His goodness, grace, and love than anything else. Passion for God will be motivated by faith and will grow our love for others. So fourth, if you experience the glory of God, you can expect His protection. You can expect His protection. Proverbs 30 verse 5 says, He's a shield to those who put their trust in Him. It was not just a rule that God made that nobody can see God's face and live. I mean, it's a reality for anyone that our fragile bodies could not handle seeing the face of God. One day we'll see the face of God in heaven. Until then, we can certainly know more and more of His glory along the way. People like Isaiah and John, when they got just a glimpse of the glory of God, they fell to the ground and asked for forgiveness. Moses observes the glory of God, and he also falls to the ground. Now, we talked about this passage to where God is telling him, this is going to happen when we read our passage. I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. My glory is going to pass before you. When did that happen? It happened in Exodus chapter 34, verses 5 and following, also on your screen. It says there, the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with them there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth in worship. Verse 9 says, and he said, If now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, please let the Lord go in the midst of us, for it's a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for your inheritance. Did the Lord answer Moses' prayer? He did. He showed him more of his glory. He revealed. And the tell part, not only that, he told, he proclaimed. He told him he was going to proclaim his name and proclaim his goodness. And before you think this is just some obscure passage, which by the way, there is no obscure, insignificant passage in God's word. 
This particular verse in Exodus chapter 34 and verse 6, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. It's repeated at least half a dozen times in the Old Testament and New Testament. Moses fell to the ground and he worshiped, asked for forgiveness of sin for all of Israel. And Moses was assured of God's protection. God knew that Moses couldn't handle seeing the face of God so he hides him. He puts him in the cleft of the rock while he did what Moses asked. The glory, the goodness of God passed before him. And then just as he passed, he removed his hand. And the Bible says he saw the back of God. The face of God, the physical face of God was seen in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he came he lived a perfect life. He was God in the flesh. He died on the cross of Calvary. Follow me here. We could not handle the visit. We could not handle the visit of the Lord Jesus. Because of the visit of the Lord Jesus, we would all be without hope, were it not for the blood of Jesus that covers us. The blood of Jesus keeps us so that we might be able to not experience hell, so that we might be able to give, go to heaven, be seen face to face one day. And the blood of Jesus protects us. We've not promised to be protected from the virus. Some of you know that. We're not promised to be protected from all physical harm, but we are protected. We are protected in that we are in God's hands and we are able to know and we're able to see the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because He's a shield to all those who put their trust in Him. There's a warning in this passage. Did you see it? It is. In fact, here all people one day, everybody one day will see all the glory of God. For followers of Jesus, it will be spectacular and greatly received. For those who rejected Jesus, it will be the most frightening event. Charles Spurgeon said this, However far away we get from God, we will have to come close to Him one of these days. Like the comet that flies far off from the sun, wandering in spaces for an altogether inconceivable distance, and it has to come back again. However long its circuit takes, so will we have to come back to God, either willingly, repeatedly, believingly, or us unwillingly in change to receive our sentence of doom from the lips of the Almighty, whom we have provoked anger by our sin." God wants us to know Him more fully. That's why He sent Jesus, so that we might be able to know Him more fully, so that we might be able to walk with Him each day. How would you describe God's glory? Has it changed any from this passage today? He, God describes it Himself by saying His goodness. It's His goodness, His grace, and compassion. But it is the presence of God in your life found in Jesus Christ. The presence of God in your life found in Jesus Christ. And because of that, we know that we can face all the battles that we have today. We know that we have, can be confident that we have a home in heaven. And today, if you're listening today by live stream or you're here today and you don't know for sure that you have experienced the glory of God for the first time, the, you don't no, you can't point to that time that says, yes, I know that I have Christ in my heart because by faith I've received Him because of His grace and I've repented of sin. You can do that today. You can ask Christ to come in today. And we encourage you to do that very thing. Let's pray together.
Father God, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. We thank you for this opportunity that we've had to be able to worship you today, even experience a portion of your glory here on earth. We pray, Father, that it may be our heart's desire to receive and experience even more. We thank you for how you're going to be at work in the days to come. We thank you, Father, and we pray that we may seek you so that we'll not miss what you're going to do. We pray, Father, that we may be motivated by faith in the Lord Jesus and not guided by fear. And we put those into your hands. Father, we pray if there's one here that does not know you as Lord and Savior today, that today might be the day of salvation, to know that you answer the prayer, the prayer of, Lord, show me your glory, and the prayer that says, Lord, let me be a child of God. Forgive me of all my sins and asking Christ to come in. Thank you, Father, for how you continue to be at work in the life of our church, the life of all who are gathered here. It's in Christ's name that we lift these prayers. Amen and amen.